This podcast is brought to you by Fandom Spotlight. Check us out at fandomspotlight.com. Have fun and follow your fandom. Anna May, we have your attention, please, and welcome to a supersized episode of Dragon Ball for Life with a supersized uh, introduction of the Dragon Call series. We're not going to talk too much because you know who we are. I'm Matthew Porter with my partner in crime, Troto Trav, because we have a white whale of an interview. Some may even say purple cat, double entendre, don't ask me how, but enough from us, Trav. Tell the people who our esteemed guest is today. Man, you know who I am. You know me. I stay chilling, and I love thy women like Krillin. But Krillin does love our me. guest today woke up with a premonition about a podcast god. He spoke to the Oracle Fish and had heard of an urban legend. After hearing about this legend, he decided to visit planet Earth because there are two potential podcasters that might have heard about said podcast gods. On today's episode of the Dragon Call series, we do our best to impress the god of destruction and see if we are fitting to be podcast gods. The most decorated and prolific guest we've had on to date, you might have heard him in One Piece, but you most may recently know him for, you know, keeping the balance of Universe 7. Without further ado, please welcome our guest, Jason Douglas, actor and anime extraordinaire, and also the voice actor behind our god of destruction, Beerus. Welcome, Jason. We are thrilled to have you today. Wow, Travis. That might have been the most epic intro I've ever uh, had (laughs) on a podcast of any show of this this kind. We've been getting that after our intros, and I was hoping that to continue that trend. (laughs) That's amazing. The problem, of course, is that you're going to have to live up to that like every time you have a guest on. So it's going to have to get bigger and better every time. So far, we've been good. Oh, my gosh. Got to write another intro. Holy smoke, dude. You're going to be like, damn. It's funny you say that, Jason, because kind of like a running joke here on the podcast is uh. When me and Trav have to like write something out, we're terrible at it. Like, like you, like if a script's in front of us, like we'll fumble through it. But like when it's like freestyled, we'll like hit it first take. Yeah. But like the intros are like the one thing that we're like, all right, we gotta stick this landing. That's hot, <laughs> right? man. But some guys, some some shows, they just have your like bio and they just read it or they just yeah. list off yeah. things. And I'm, I'm like, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I did that. Wow, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, awesome. It's great to be here. No, this is great. I'm I'm uh, I'm happy happy to be with you guys and uh um i'm happy to be back on uh um you know obviously not this show but this is my first time on this show but i know you guys are affiliated with phantom spotlight which is an awesome platform and and captain kyle and those guys so uh I'm, i'm glad to see that the phantom spotlight empire is expanding and uh with you guys at the forefront that is awesome well done Oh man, we appreciate it. You know, we yeah. uh, when we came into this, it was just like uh, in our previous podcast that Matt and I we'd go on to these little like we say our nerd tangents, and, and our our two co-hosts were not as knee deep into the uh, anime world as as we were. So we would, so once Matt came up with this idea, I'm like, perfect. Like I can just talk about this yeah. freely whenever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, here we are, man. Here we go. Hopefully it's Here the first of many or, or or I'm one of many that will be happening for you. So. Oh, for sure. We appreciate that. We appreciate that. You bet. 
y'all, y'all saw what I did with the white world, white world, purple cat. Y'all got that, y'all got that reference. I was like, what do you call me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, know, I know the reference. I know the reference. He's like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> For our younger viewers who might have not got the reference, yeah. had to right. walk them, had to walk them through it right. real quick. Yeah, <laughs> no, man. I mean, it's funny because Melville. you know you had you had talked about you know just then about they'll just read off your uh your your, your resume your your page and everything but we just you know before we even get and started any of our questions you know if you just want to just talk a little bit about your background and you know because when i was looking it seemed like you started acting at a very young age and you know was that something that you were always just passionate about that you just you know wanted to do for a living well uh let me dispel that just a little bit um okay because i've had uh, folks have asked me about like you must have been really young and when they look at like for instance imdb um they'll see a couple of titles that i'm associated with with a date of like 1982 (laughs) and and i was like uh you know i was like 11 or something in 1982 i wasn't acting back then but what happened is um I was, uh, uh, I have over the years, particularly back uh, when I was working a lot with uh, the former ADV films, Mm -hmm. uh, they would get titles uh, from the 70s and 80s that that had never been licensed for dubbing or distribution outside of, you know, Japan or whatever. And um, and so we would do those. And then when they would end up landing on... um, you know, IMDb, it would have the original, uh, it would, it would still have that date of, you know, 1982 or 1984. Uh, <laughs> so, magic. so it makes it look like I've been at it forever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it does feel like forever, but not quite that long. Uh, my first anime was a show called Kimiguri Orange Road, Summer's Beginning. It was an OVA uh, with ADV Films. And I think that it came out in 90 uh i think we recorded it in late 98 1998 and i think it came out the following okay. spring or something uh so uh prior to that i was mostly a theater guy okay. and uh that was kind of my ambition and i always thought that i would eventually uh move move on into like film and television as well um anime at the time was a very very niche um it, it occupied mm. a very mm-hmm. small space on the shelf if you know what i mean and and mm-hmm. uh, m- most of uh most of the fans uh if you can call them that were 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 more of like sort of cultural you know like sort of japanese like cultural they were really into obscure um i know one of the uh, gentleman who founded ADV Films, he would talk about ordering laser discs from Japan that would have like two or three episodes of something. And so that's kind of where the fandom was in the late nineties. And one thousand percent, yeah, and, and the, yeah. They they started uh, <laughs> what ADV did. I think that was kind of uh, it was ingenious, really. Which was they were based in Houston, so they were not in LA or New York, obviously, and. Uh, he started recruiting from local uh, theater. Um, you know, so he wasn't going through agencies and getting people that were like voiceover guys or, or, or you know, he was actually getting people that really maybe didn't have a lot of ambition to do voiceover or even film and television. Uh, they were just working in theater. And so they were, they were very intelligent, I think, for the most part, and very expressive, um, uh, thoughtful about character, uh, and used to doing a lot of, you know, work on stage and in and, and children's theater. Uh, and, and, and so these are the kind of folks that um, were originally recruited uh, to, to become actors. And, and he kind of developed, I'm talking about Matt Greenfield, who was one mm-hmm. of the main founders 
of ADV along with John Ledford. Uh, but they 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 recruited what was what really kind of became a, a like a company of actors. Um, you didn't have you know, you didn't have 150 actors coming in and out of different shows. You had maybe 20 or 30 actors um, initially uh, that really got a chance to kind of hone their talent uh, working in front of a mic, for which for a lot of us, it was our first time to ever work in front. I mean, I did anime uh, before I had ever even done uh, like a commercial, mm -hmm. you know, radio spot, which is far more lucrative. And I do quite a bit of that that kind of work these days but before i'd ever done any of that i spent probably you know hundreds of hours doing anime which prepared me very well for uh moving into like kind of commercial voiceover and corporate voiceover uh so uh, for me it was a great launching pad mm -hmm. uh and and even though i had never you know initially we most of us who started out in the late 90s early 2000s just thought well this is just kind of a fun side gig yeah um it's mm. never going to go anywhere uh you know and then and then something interesting happened anime started attracting fans and and these small groups of fans grew into slightly larger groups of fans and then they decided to meet together at their college and university and then they started booking local small hotels and these things you know patterned after the kinds of major com comic book conventions especially like the star trek conventions which were really popular in the in the i think the late 70s and early 80s and into the 80s and early 90s um these became the anime conventions that we that we all know about today and I think that was a huge driver of the fandom. But for those of us that were there from the beginning, we've just kind of ridden the wave uh, the whole the whole way. And uh, ebbs, ebbs and flows. Yeah, sure, sure. So it's a long way of answering your question. <laughs> no. I don't, you know, I certainly never set out to become no, a great an anime voice actor <laughs> or even a voice actor. Yeah. Really, and, and, and if you'd ask me, if you asked me when I was twenty-one what I wanted to do for a living, I would say, well, I'm I'm going to be a stage actor, and I'm going to probably end up moving to New York. Uh, or maybe Chicago at some point um, and and just, you know, work the boards and maybe do the occasional film or TV spot. And everything's kind of twisted from what I originally imagined. <laughs> that so. No, that's awesome that you totally were able to like stick through it and, you know, see what it's grown to become today because Matt and I will yeah. always talk about like just the excitement of discovering anime fans because just when you were talking about in the late 90s of just accessing anime i remember for me as a as, as a kid um i was good friends with um this uh, my friend tim he was korean and he had these vhs's of dragon ball gt airings from japan and this was when i just got into uh dragon ball finished up dragon ball z i would see pictures online of Super Saiyan 4. I'm like, wow, this looks this What is, is this form? So then I watched, you know, the first I would say the first two arcs of GT that were on the VHS. Did not know anything that was being said because it was in Japanese uh, subtitles. There was, there was, there was, there was nothing there for me to understand. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, I just, from a visual perspective, I was like, okay, cool. But And then yeah. as we got older, we just met more anime fans who all were like, no, I, I watched this, but you know, it was always kind of like a closeted thing, but now sure. it's become supremely mainstream, which I'm, I'm loving. Yeah, absolutely. I don't I, really I know. I don't think Cartoon Network gets his flowers right. for like how like instrumental it was like on like the Western side, Honestly. like in terms of like kids, like with Tsunami and stuff yeah. like that. If like that was a lot of our 
like obviously Trevor, you know me and you like you know we were like into Dragon Ball Z like especially if you watch like Fox like wake seven in the morning yep. to watch the Garlic <laughs> Junior saga and always stuff. on so we like liked it there but then like when Toonami came on and I guess like with Tom and the presentation is like right after school right. it became cool like and they were like kids in school yeah. who like were like early in the sports right and I was like oh y'all saw Dragon Ball Z last night like yeah I saw it too <laughs> yeah. so for me nah, like the after school stuff and I'm a little older than you guys, but, you know, the after school stuff was like He-Man, Masters of the Universe, mm -hmm. uh, which was cool. Um, or old reruns of like Bugs Bunny stuff. Mm -hmm. So it, they were they were aiming a little lower. I think they were trying to sell toys for mm -hmm. one thing. Um, but there's something about anime, particularly the stuff that was coming out by the time you guys were watching it, which is mm -hmm. well, one thing. It was just generally more exciting. Um, uh, yeah. uh, and, and a little more aspirational, I think like for some reason, I, I don't remember other kids really being inspired or wanting to be He-Man, but there was something about the, <laughs> the way the stories are told and the way the characters are constructed, um, that, that kids really identified with, especially Dragon Ball. I mean, I often talk about ADV because that was kind of my, you know, and they were a big, big anime studio and they, they, you know, as far as distribution for dubbing, um, and they did a lot to introduce, uh, uh, you know, the West, if you will, to to anime. But the other studio, which only had one main title at the time, was Funimation, and they had Dragon Ball, and um, mm -hmm. and and they managed to get that, like you say, on I think Toonami, sort of yep. the kids' version, the scaled down. But that really planted a lot of seeds for you know what the anime you know fandom would become. Uh, and and I hear I still hear people at conventions when they talk about being kids and watching Dragon Ball, and now they've graduated on to, you know, more Dragon Ball or other um, <laughs> other anime shows. Um, and and I think the big discovery I think for a lot of anime fans is just the idea that anime isn't just giant robots, mm -hmm. you know, or even you know whatever dragon ball is which is this kind of cosmic almost star wars type story that is you know um it's it kind of is its own genre and defines itself in a certain way but you know realizing that oh there's also these really cool uh sci-fi uh genre stories or mm -hmm. these other kinds of sci-fi or not sci-fi uh uh slice of life mm -hmm. uh, type stories and then there's vampires and then there's like literally just every kind of people began to realize well anime it's not really a genre it's just a platform for many different ways of storytelling um, and and also as a gateway to a different culture uh, when you would watch anime as a kid you felt that there was something different a little off and part of that was just the cultural you know the the the, the ways that the japanese writers were telling mm -hmm. those stories um, so you have a lot of kids that have grown up uh, now and learning Japanese, going to school and, you know, you know, identifying yep. in many ways with like wanting to be. And for me, that was probably more like as a kid, um, Brit you know, London, Britain, because I watched a lot of shows like Doctor Who and mm -hmm. and other things that were made by the BBC. So I had an infatuation as a young person with all things, you know, uh, England, UK, because um, a lot of those, you know, the settings and the plots and the, the characters were, um, you know, from that area. So it's interesting how that's changed. Yeah, that that point that you have brought up, I never really thought about it till you said it, like, because I, I have older brothers. I'm the youngest of like my siblings. So they grew up, you know, like 
He-Man matches the universe, right. you know, Scooby-Doo, Looney Tunes, Bugs Bunny. And that's actually like a really good point. Like they didn't really like emulate those shows. It was just kind of like, oh, I'm going to sit down, watch my show, talk to people about it and kind of go on. But yeah, like the 90s, like we all wanted to be a Pokemon yeah. trainer. Like we all <laughs> right. like, turned our heads backwards <laughs> right. now like because of Ash and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you didn't yeah, really have, you didn't really even, have, even like when you didn't really have guys like, uh, you know, um, you know, whatever by the castle of Grayskull, i have the power yeah. like you didn't really see a lot yeah, yeah. of like there wasn't how do you latch on to that i don't know i mean i'm sure there's a fun way and i know i think netflix has you know reinvented he-man yeah they recently. redid it i, I yeah. don't know i haven't they seen like it. redid it but i loved watching that show as a kid but it was mostly considered it was mostly just cartoons were very just kind of afternoon and like mm-hmm. it, it's what you did uh, until it was time to go outside and and kick a ball around and it wasn't <laughs> something that we were um you know it was a saturday morning thing like if you got up early enough you could get your big bowl of cereal like calvin and calvin and Hobbes, and sit and you know eat in front of the tv and then yep. but as soon as your parents were up they were making you do chores or they were kicking you out of the house right they, play. Took, they, took, the house. they took over the tv they was like <laughs> yeah they would definitely all right my turn yeah. <laughs> and change your channel like ah but mom you know in some ways it was good for us to have like other you know athletic endeavors uh, or just going outside and playing there was a lot more connection times are different but uh for sure i think the storytelling in anime is is just across the board more sophisticated than what what we were getting and Mm -hmm. i think it's affected i think it's probably fed back this in this direction i think animation generally um is more sophisticated now uh than it was um you know when you look at all of like the uh attack of the clones the clone wars stuff and all you know all these different Mm -hmm. animated and Mm -hmm. it's socially acceptable i mean it's not like you're watching cartoons you know it's like no this is like this is the format it's like animated uh, an animated film you know it's it's not yeah it's not different the question is just is it good exactly um, you know it's not for kids anymore no, i worry about what is for yeah. kids if if not that would you, act, you, know, you actually you what's left for the kids man. right out of my mouth <laughs> i was gonna say because they the content creators have gotten so savvy because it's like a kid's show but there's so many like 90 references in like cartoons yeah. now to like speak to like us as adults now like ah it's I get true. that joke. Like, yeah, I get that right. Like, my kids like, really I, dig Phineas and Ferb. Yeah, yo, one thousand, which is like I, I think one of one of one of the best animated shows. I mean, it's no, it's a great it, show. It kind of hits. <laughs> it hits the same way. In some ways, it hits the same way like the Simpsons hit when I, you know, when I was coming up. I mean, Simpsons was a big deal when I was a kid, and I can't believe it's still around. But, um, but it has that same kind of smart humor, uh, where it doesn't yeah. pander to you know like it's literally for kids but parents can sit there and watch it and laugh right along with it i mean it's it's um it's it's nice it's refreshing that there are things like that now uh because there wasn't a lot of that stuff when i was a kid yeah, there's a, there's a newer show called uh, Craig in the Creek. Mm. I feel like I bring this up a lot on this show. My That's like <laughs> one of my daughter's like favorite shows. Uh, uh, it's uh. on like, it's a Cartoon Network show, yeah. but she watches it on HBO Max. Uh, and yeah, it's like, like she'll be gone. And I'll like, let me put on Craig in the Creek. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Right>? yeah. <laughs> like, and then she's like, you're watching it without me? I'm like, I'm sorry. I got so caught wow, up. That's rule story. number one. You can't be watching myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As a, as a parent Look, myself, man. my wife and I, we always <laughs> wanted our kids to have smart things to watch. And we didn't care if it was for kids, but it had to be intelligent. You know, I, yeah. I, I wasn't... Stimulate the mind. Yeah, I, I wasn't interested in those goofy, you know, just like, mm-hmm. you know, 
there are some things that you're just your brain is itching you're like why you know like make something good yeah. make something smart you know make something that will challenge their mind um and and i think in in many ways that's what you know i, I think that's what a lot of anime fans are drawn to is they're they're, they're drawn to the way anime storytelling can can be kind of deep and and uh and you know imaginative in ways that sometimes live action struggles to be mm -hmm. and you know we all know live action versions of anime have mostly failed miserably yeah uh, so bad. <laughs> and, and, and and part of it is because the format itself kind of dictates that you can do certain things and that you can express a character in a certain mm -hmm. way um man i don't I don't know. I think in the Marvel era, maybe we can start to see how a, a Goku and a, all these characters could be per portrayed. But they really are, they really are conceived, I think, from the ground up as, as animated characters. And so I think it's really hard to make that crossover into live action. Yeah, especially so, from an aesthetic yeah. standpoint, too, because like the designs and creations of these different characters are just so unique where it, it, yeah. it'll be really tough to like try to emulate that in a live action format and have it still mm -hmm. have the same effect as you were viewing it when you were watching the animated version. Yeah, That's yeah, right. and then and then not only that, I feel like every time they try to like take a shot at a live action anime adaptation, is they like try to be like, oh, if this were in the real world, what would it right. be like? Instead of just fully just diving into the lore, like yeah. no, just go all out. Yeah. Like we we know this is ridiculous. That's why right. we like it. Right. <laughs> like don't don't make me don't make it like oh real world based Dragon Ball. Right. <laughs> like, just get just go out there. That's why I like. I'm I'm holding my reservations, but I feel like this One Piece show that's going to be on Netflix might be good. Yeah, because it's like the set designs. It seems like they're going all in. Like, no, this sure. is just One Piece as you guys know it, just with real actors. Yeah. Like, that's it. So, we'll see. I think if you commit, I mean, <laughs> if you if you really commit to the to the world and the universe of the show, mm -hmm. I mean, um, you know, who knew who knew when Peter Jackson did the Lord of the Rings that it could be so vivid mm -hmm. um, you know uh, you know the writing is the writing you know Tolkien's work is so is is vivid enough and and but we'd never really we'd had like the Ralph Bakshi or whatever the the animations from the the 70s I think I remember yeah. those I used to watch those in school like the yeah Hobbit. exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> like, I remember but those. the idea <laughs> of bringing that to life uh, I'm sure somebody said you can't it's not manageable. In fact, I think they said it's unfilmable. I mean, there's just some things they said. I think they said yeah. that about Dune. They, you know, it's unfilmable. You cannot I love shoot a film version of this. And I, I thought, I thought Dune was very good. So I think it's possible, yeah. but you have to have a hundred percent commitment uh, to 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 the world that was imagined by the creator, uh, right? So you know, Frank Herbert yeah. or J.R. Tolkien or. Akira Toriyama, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what what did he imagine when he started, you know, writing these characters and, and inking these characters? Um, maybe, maybe something like that could work, but you could never pull off the hair. That's that's and the hair Yeah. So you can try, <laughs> like, but a lot of gel. A lot of gel. But that's the point. That's a good metaphor for the problem, right? Think about anime hair. There's something mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. And think about Goku's hair. It's completely ridiculous. And if you show a guy on camera <laughs> with that thing going on, and right? You'd be like, "What is that nonsense? His hair is as tall as his face, right?" <laughs> no levels. So of, then you got no levels of bedhead is going to emulate that. <laughs> you got to scale it down, right? And that's the problem. You 
these characters were true. conceived as larger than life and and the lines are just a little longer than they would be in real life and the the way they express themselves they're very most you know over expressive you know and make big faces and 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 those kinds of things don't play on camera you just can't do it you would say god that guy's hamming it up man he's like overacting mm -hmm. and what we would call yeah. overacting on camera uh, is exactly what mo what we absolutely buy it when it's an animation when it's an animation <laughs> we do we buy it you know so that that actually is kind of a crazy transition to like one of the questions that i did want to ask you because uh obviously uh your pedigree is very well renowned and you've done more than just anime uh another huge fan uh show that you were on was the walking dead played told you in there for 26 episodes yeah, i didn't know that I looked it up. 26 <laughs> but, yeah but i <laughs> yeah it says 26 but uh so we've had a couple other voice actors on the show that have like done a bunch of different uh, anime projects uh video game voice actor and everything and uh, a common thread between them is that they kind of gravitated towards voice acting because they didn't like to be in front of the camera. Mm. Like, you know, voice acting or or like playing to be somebody else, like allowed them to like break out of their shell because they actually were uh, very, very warm and welcoming to us. But they like you could tell they, they were like naturally more reserved people. Yeah. Like when they get in the booth, they can kind of shed all that. Sure. So you as someone who actually does work in front of and behind the camera, like with on screen and voice acting, do you find that there's like a different headspace that you have to put yourself in? Like when you're just like providing your voice to somebody versus like when you're like physically portraying a character? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting uh, question, Matthew. I, I know it, it feels different. Um, you know, I can get out of my car after I park it. I can walk into the studio, say hello maybe grab a coffee and in five minutes I'm in front of a camera and we're recording and there's there's very little time um, uh, now some actors might tell you they go do vocal warm-ups and do all this stuff I, a lot of us don't and I don't I I I, I will clear my throat and kind of mm, you know in the way like on the way in the you car the but I'm not really on deck yeah, sometimes <laughs> the green sure. Tea ready. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's uh, it, there is a convenience factor of performing. Now, that's not to say that it, that we're lazy about it because once we're in the booth, I think most of us are very serious about wanting it to be good. I mean, I've been working yeah. on. Um, uh, I, I was just cast as Kishibe in in uh, Chainsaw Man, and and uh, the, there's a lot of attention show. to detail there. And I, you know, I, I'm a guy that. I'm a guy that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always like not wanting to move on quite yet because I want to make sure that it's just right. Um, and I have to really rely on the director in the case of Chainsaw Man. We're talking about Mike McFarland, um, who is great uh, and, and trust their judgment uh, on set. It's a lot different uh, because um, instead of being just maybe me and then two other people, the director and the the uh, the engineer, um, there's there's 40 to 100 people watching mm. that performance there might be you know on the inside the frame that you look at on your screen there might be two people having an intimate conversation but in reality that it's scene is happening the and is surrounded <laughs> yeah. by lights equipment cabling everywhere <clears throat> you know pas on walkies uh the director mm -hmm. the i mean it's 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 madness it's amazing but it's madness and and everybody's moving there's all these moving parts you got you got the lighting team you got the sound team you got the camera team you got guys laying track you got um uh you got 
uh, uh, costume you got wardrobe people coming in and checking your buttons because your shirt's not straight you got you know people coming in they're putting their hands on you you got the uh the, the makeup the people grips, they're, the you know, they're patting you off <laughs> they're trying to you know get this shit sweat off of your 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 your, yeah. your forehead uh, they're combing your hair or your beard or whatever um you know and it's, it's it's just madness and chaos meantime maybe these are new lines you haven't seen them you've got them in your hand uh your partner's right here across from you you're kind of looking at each other are we gonna are we you know maybe we're running lines while all this stuff is happening and then there's this just like quiet on the set the second ad you know they brings everything uh or the first ad they kind of shut everybody up and then there's just this calming action then it's right to it and it's silent until you start the scene yeah. and the scene happens boom, 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 boom. you know and then you get to the end of the scene and there'll be a pause maybe you keep acting a little bit with your actions and then you'll hear and cut and then boom it's chaos all over again <laughs> that's very different from working in front of a mic and it's exciting <laughs> as, as hell and i love it um and so for me i i um i'm you know i'm always trying to find the you know the next uh a job and and uh, you know hopefully i make enough to pay my bills and support my family that's at the end of the day that's what that's what we're all trying to do and um you know i'm not trying to be a celebrity i'm not trying to be a lot of this for me is very accidental you know coming on a show like this and that you know that amazing introduction uh travis but none of that was anything <laughs> yeah, that i set out to achieve <laughs> i just wanted to be a good actor and mm -hmm. i wanted to make a living doing it and a lot of things in my life happened by accident and um and and here i am I those are the say, best things the best though things that that happen <laughs> yeah. in life those are the are best accidents. when you when you when you stumble into opportunities yeah. and it's just like you wake up one day it's just like how is this my life yeah <laughs> right. i love it <laughs> are there what any, do they say is it what's I the line it. about success or whatever it's when opportunity meets uh, preparation, preparation meets opportunity right, right. you just got to prepare yourself you know you we'll gotta we'll you gotta have a direction we'll i speak, in, I speak in isms if you have no direction <laughs> in your life then you can't move right you, if you're rudderless yeah. you're just going to get tossed around you got to have a direction mm -hmm. but you also need to be open about what can happen um because yeah. most people that start out at 21 or 19 or 14 saying i'm gonna do this you know with my life mm -hmm. that sounds great you know good that good for you that you have but what but what i try to tell my kids and any young people that i meet is like don't be so locked into that one idea that you close yourself mm -hmm, off to other exactly. possibilities because sometimes there's something much better waiting for you if you're open uh about you know you can you can be moving in the direction of you know if you think about it like this a lot of people that work in the theater in particular but also in film and television started out at some point taking an acting class right it, it happens a lot i mean yep. they just uh, what is this theater thing in high school and they take an acting class but they end up working on the crew or the set and they feel like oh i really love building props or i really really love you know and or i really love directing i like telling other people what to do rather than kind of being on stage right so it's a process of discovery um and particularly when you're in your i would say you know late teens to late 20s you know that's a time of discovery, particularly nowadays for a lot of people. You don't you don't necessarily have to have a single idea locked down, but you should prepare yourself. And I always tell myself, you know, tell people, kid, particularly if you're still in school, dude, hit the books, man. Make good grades. Mm -hmm. You're smart. 
good actors are smart actors and and uh and that's going to help you in ways that you can't conceive of now of course telling somebody that's in school and struggling and is having a bad time <laughs> right that's kind of hard to hear it's like man i just want to get Absolutely. out i just want to be out of this yeah. and be done but you know a lot of times when we when we close the door too young and say i'm done with this we close a lot of doors you don't just close the door in front of you but you close every door that was beyond that door you mm -hmm. know uh so Anyway, Absolutely. I don't know. That's a little too philosophical, probably. For no, I love I, I love every second of yeah. that because, like, the what you were saying about telling your kids, like, about not being closed off to stuff. Like, you know, me and Trav kind of like uh, our our credo, if you will. Like, we say all the time, like, all it takes is for one right person at the one right time to see something that we did, and it could completely change everything. Right. So it's just like, like you were just saying, like, kind of just keeping at it and just pushing stuff up. Like, even if the numbers don't always reflect, you know, like what we think the content should and everything. Yeah. Like, if we just kind of like keep taking opportunities and getting ourselves in rooms with people like you, like eventually somebody who has the power to like help us propel this even more. Like, like us getting in contact with right, Kyle yeah. and fandom and everything. Sure, sure, sure. You know, that's that's that was just us just not closing ourselves off yeah. and doing everything. Cause you know, when me and Trav had worked on a previous podcast, that was like our thing. Like we were like our own bosses. Right. Like we kind of didn't answer to anybody yeah. and then coming with fandom and being able to say like, all right, yeah, this is a concept, but I know Lincoln with fandom will pay dividends. Right. So it's just like our idea under Kyle's flagship. Sure. It was like a, a, a very brief humbling moment where yeah. it's just like, all right, yes, we have a goal, but it's also part of a bigger right you know project so it's like we had to keep our stuff in line with his it's a chance to make like it bigger just came I mean, from yeah i mean i, I exactly i've done exactly. very little under my own you know i mean i'm 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 constantly you know i'm here representing myself but everything i've ever done that any of you guys know about has been you know i've been hired to do it you know whether it's yeah. crunchy roll funimation sentai adv films and that's just anime i mean uh uh, uh you know uh you know, Walking Dead obviously is AMC. Yeah, AMC. Uh, yeah. um, you know, I mean, I'm not produced. You know, you're you're a lot of what we're doing. We 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 do have to cooperate with other people to 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 take it further. Now there are some enterprising people that are determined to be their own boss, and and that's fine. But ultimately, you still have to pitch yourself and your project to someone else who's gonna yeah. fund it or or. Or, you know, it's very rare. It's like, why do you think all these guys are going on to whatever the Shark Tank shows or whatever? Mm -hmm. Like, you, you look at them, you think, you've got this great idea. You could just take it and sell it, right? But no, every single one of them that go on that <laughs> show that is they're looking for a partnership <laughs> because they want to take yeah. it further. That's the name of the game. It's not like, you know, DIY go, gets you so far. Uh, uh, but uh, but ultimately, you know, you, you, you've got to be somebody that can work with other people yeah. And the, uh, uh, yeah, and you know, so when you were asking about you know television and film versus versus anime, uh, I think a lot of that for me is just about being comfortable working with people from different um, you know different technical backgrounds, different genres. I mean, when you go to Walking Dead or any other show I've done, a lot of those folks are you know they're not they may not be anime fans. They don't they don't really that's not really their their language. They're not impressed necessarily by the fact that i do you know they may they don't know who beerus is they probably have heard of dragon ball and they know that it's big they don't and know anything you know but i have to not care like i can't get offended by that you know that's just them and their background they're they got their nose to the grindstone working in their own 
corner of the industry. Can't so. you just hakai them Absolutely. out of existence if you want? Uh, to? Yeah, exactly. Hakai, <laughs> <laughs> doing? What? Did you cough? You know? Excuse me. That's funny. Yeah. So, Jason, I, I feel like you really did your prep work with these questions because you keep saying things that are like walking us into another question. So I guess another one uh, that I kind of want to go is sticking back with the beers and like how you're saying, like some people like might not know who that is. It does seem like you've been like ingratiated in the anime world for quite some time uh, with beers coming into like the Dragon Ball Z universe. He was like, a for the most part, Dragon Ball Z, I wouldn't say stagnant, but they play it safe when it comes to like character designs. Hmm. Like everybody pretty much is like, oh, that's a Dragon Ball Z character. Yeah. But with Beerus, he kind of was just like something that we've never seen before. Sure. Like it just in terms of like his look, the way he carries himself, mm-hmm. you know, a giant cat monster. So like when that movie came out, I know like his design was very divisive. Mm. Like some people were just like, I can't get into it. He don't look like a Dragon Ball Z character. Yeah. Where yeah. others was just like, Oh, this is a breath of fresh air. Yeah, of course. Did you feel like uh, an increased weight of responsibility to like provide the American voice for or the English voice for that character, knowing like that it was such like a polarizing yeah. person for like the fans? No, I had no um, I really had no uh, concept or knowledge that Beerus was controversial in that way. Um, my sense at the time and and I wasn't I don't you know I won't pretend that I was a big Dragon Ball guy that knew the characters in the show. Um, uh, for me at the time, Dragon Ball was one of many shows that you know were a part of kind of the the anime world. Um, and I think I knew it was a big deal, but I don't think I realized until after I started yeah. doing it just exactly what kind of big deal it was. And remember when we did um, when we did Battle of before Battle of Gods. And I had participated in, like, I had done King Cold for the uh, Dragon Ball Z Kai. Um, and I think mm. I had done some off characters in a video game or two. Um, but there had been no truly new Dragon Ball canon for, like, 17 years at that yeah. point. So in some ways, it <laughs> yeah. felt like dra- whatever is Dragon Ball is really just maybe kind of, um, you know, uh, it's, it's just kind of drawing out that old nostalgia rather than being something fresh and new and different. Right, and it exactly. feels like uh, uh, Mr. Toriyama, much like Beerus, kind of woke up from a 40-year nap, right? <laughs> and had this amazing palette of new ideas. And I think yeah. that's what we owe Beerus and the whole idea of the multiverse within Dragon Ball. I mean... I don't know why he decided to do that all of a sudden, but but I think most Dragon Ball fans and certainly me are are grateful that he did because it Absolutely. really reinvented the show in a way that I don't know I don't know has ever Never been, been done, done before. before. I mean, I'm just I trying was to think say of the like same thing. <laughs> taking a show that is like an old show mm-hmm. and kind of picking up where it left off. Of course, you can do that, and you can do that with anime. You can't so much do that with television because actors age, right? Um, but 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 picking up where you left off and and taking it in a almost seamlessly new and amazing direction, and people are like, "Yes, this is what I remember," but more of it and deeper and more interesting, uh, and 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 sort of in every way. So. I, you know, I don't know. I I was certainly grateful, uh, and I know Ian Sinclair tells the same kind of story of just kind of he was he was a Dragon Ball fan, mm. but it's a similar thing hey. of like, 
hey, this is really great. Like being a getting it's an honor to be a part of this. And for me, I felt like at that point I had been around for more than a decade, like almost two decades as a voice actor in anime and had done a lot of titles that I really liked, but that were mostly forgotten mm. and um, and and was doing you know, the occasional like supporting role, lead role in some cases. Uh, I know my first role with, just to bring it full circle, my first role with Funimation, I think was Trinity Blood, which I did with Mike McFarland. I played Wordsworth and that was a major character, but uh, it was a lot of these, you can do a major character in a kind of big show and then the thing happens and then it just doesn't really go anywhere. Nobody's really asking for your autograph on that picture. Nobody's asking you about that show. Maybe they saw it and they liked it, but they don't want to talk about it as much. Um, and there are, no, there are not a lot of shows like that, that from my early tenure, even though at the time they were big titles. Um, I, stu I still do get some people that like to talk about... Um, uh, Il, Il Palazzo, which is a character I did for a show called Excel Saga, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, a very funny, wacky, really anime parody. And it's out there. You can find <laughs> it. I do get people asking about that. But it wasn't until Dragon Ball. It wasn't until Beerus, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, I thought I had done all there was to do. And it wasn't until Beerus came along that I kind of graduated to another level of of the world of what it means to be an anime voice actor. Um, I wasn't okay. doing conventions. The only reason I do conventions was because I did The Walking Dead. And I had a good friend who uh, named Lou Temple who was also on the show. And he was like, you should be doing these shows. You know, people come out and you get to meet the fans. And, and uh, you know, and so I started doing Walker Stalker. Uh, and, and then slowly there would be fans at that show who would come up and want to talk about anime or have something anime related. And that was totally surprising to me. And... Um, uh, and then that just kind of uh, that kind of uh, 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 evolved uh, to where I'm now doing I don't know probably six or eight events a year, uh, but 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 it's shifted. Uh, I get maybe you know five or ten percent is traffic based on other things outside of mm -hmm. anime, and and the rest of it is anime related. It's 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 a lot of fans of Dragon Ball, of course, but but also fans of like. Uh, you mentioned One Piece and, and uh, Fairy Tale is a big one. Uh, mm -hmm. Guild Arts, obviously, and uh, and uh, and I get a, a, a smaller share, but a, a decent chunk of people who are really into Borderlands, the character Krieg uh, that I do for that show. Okay, so. and then uh, you know it was interesting. You know, as you said that you were going into it, weren't you know too versed in Dragon Ball, but. Was there a moment that you would say where you truly felt the impact of Dragon Ball and its fandom after you started working as uh, the voice actor for Beerus? Like, was there a time where you're like, oh, wow, like this, <laughs> this is a lot bigger than what I anticipated going in? It's well, huge. for me, I think the big uh, when we were promoting Battle of Gods, uh, we uh, we uh, we did a promotional deal at. Um, New York Comic Con, New York Comic Con, and I think I I want to say that was the the show where we did a big event at Madison Square Garden. Okay, um, and it wasn't the entire arena, but the way they do it, where they block off like the half of the arena, and then you're on a stage, and the rest of it is kind of you know fans in seats and men walking out. Uh, 
Madison Square Garden and just having it completely packed. But not only Man. that, walking down the streets of New York City and seeing all the Gokus and like people in yeah, yeah, Dragon yeah. Ball costume and then coming around the corner and there you are in Times Square and like there's a huge uh, Dragon Ball, you know, uh, scroll scrolling on the electronic billboards and 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 then you you know you walk into that uh the javits center and and you know when you walk into this place it's like a giant atrium you know with all the escalators and stuff and there right in the middle is i don't know what i don't know if it was a goku or or, or it could have been a, a shenron or something but mm -hmm. you know you just see you see the size and the scope of the promotion that goes into it, um, but also just the, the the commitment of the fandom. I mean, there's not a city that I've been to, there's not a show that I've done where there hasn't been, you know, at least a half a dozen guys in, you know, orange jumpsuit and like crazy yellow uh, <laughs> Goku hair. Just yelling down the street, um, <laughs> screaming for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> come on, come on. Always, always, you know, some, uh, you know, he'll have a cute girl on his arm dressed as Bulma. Like it's a commitment, like the Definitely. whole, all the way around, like the whole crew 1, is, is, uh, is, is Dragon Ball. That's when you see it. That's when you see it, when it's big. You, I mean, some people like to dress up in cosplay as a character nobody's ever heard of. Because if they do it well, people <laughs> show, go, who are you? Where are you from? And they go, well, let me tell you. Yeah. you know. Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah. <laughs> but there's no quicker way to find your tribe at a at a convention than to cosplay uh, because the fans of that show are going to, you know, you're going to connect with 1,000%. So. 1,000%. At least that's what I've yeah, seen. Yeah, when I went to... Yeah, when I went to Anime Expo, uh, I've been to like conventions in Philly because, you know, Philly, for whatever reason, even though like we're a major city, they don't get like the large house. We're going to fix yeah. that. That's our goal. We're <laughs> yep. going to fix that. But uh, when I went to Anime Con, uh, that was like my first time being like in a convention center anime based stuff. And like you were saying, man, it was just like it's it's quite a spectacle to like take in yeah. <laughs> like when you like see everything yeah and like the the time, effort and money that you could tell people like really put into their costumes and everything sure. is just like. Yeah, this is awesome. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. And they were, yeah, uh, they had a they had a Dragon Ball panel. I can't remember what it was for. I don't remember if it was the the Broly movie. Mm -hmm. Sounds around the time that might have been the or Super Superheroes. It might have been Dragon Ball Super Superheroes, like when they were like announcing uh, it and everything. Yeah, and then like Shane was there and everything. So it was just like and it was like full, like packed and everything, just wall to wall, like you were saying. So it was just like like me and Trevor were saying it's like when you get that moment of like just feeling so connected in a room full of strangers right. like that's that's what anime is right. like it's just like we don't know each other at all yeah, but sure. we all love this common thing and it's just like everybody's just so friendly yeah like this is how the world should be all the time well we like, need that just like oh you look great yeah <laughs> exactly. we need more of that for sure we, we need to like feel like you know it and it used to be and for a lot of people it was sports you know you go watch a baseball game it didn't matter whether yep. you were a republican or a democrat it didn't matter whether you were uh, you know, what part of the world you're from. It's like, hey, man, we're, you know, you're rooting for the Phillies, you know. Uh, and even the fact, you know, I'm even a hey. fan. I'm a baseball <laughs> fan. Uh, I love Me too. That's my favorite sport. You know, I love my Astros because I grew up, you know, uh, and don't hate, you know, but uh, uh, I won't. Y'all, we're, Phil, we're Phillies fans, sure. so it's, we'll, we'll, we'll settle this. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk. But, you know, we'll but talk. I can go I can go enjoy a baseball game in any stadium in the country. And, and there's a certain kinship 
that you have with other people that because you're there but it's very mm -hmm. gen there's also something kind of generic about it until you start talking to people mm -hmm. but when you're at anime convention that's very specific you know and, mm -hmm. and and a lot of people when you meet people at an anime convention first of all um they're probably you know when i look around at the fandom or the fans at the anime there there's a general probably a 20 to 30 year swing you know in terms of age it's not super spread out mm -hmm. um but uh, uh you know you you probably you, you probably have a similar like way of like there, there are probably some similar life experiences there and you just have to find out by mm -hmm. asking each other even though you could mm -hmm. go to a show in dallas and as a guy from philly and probably meet somebody from sacramento right i mean it's you know and and still get on with them you know get along and and have you know uh, because you've got the commonality of dragon ball but then you've got kind of like the life that you've lived around that and like why you were drawn to it and and so you know, it, it gives us it gives us something, you know, I think we look for community and I think anime is a way that a lot of people have found community. They've found friends, they've found, you know, life partners or whatever, you know, like they've they've found and they're having fun doing it. And there's something cool about kind of um, a, a niche. Some people would call it a nerdy kind of a uh, you know, being able to be a fan of something and not be embarrassed about it, you know, and just be like. No, I'm into this, and here's this yeah. other show I'm into, and you know, exactly. uh, uh, so so uh, so yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot going for it. And I, I think in terms of how we communicate with each other and how we um, how we relate to each other. Definitely, and I hope this never leaves with the anime community because despite how popular anime has become, I feel like all anime fans, when they meet a fellow anime fan, we all have that same reaction as if like, oh wow. You watch it too? You too? And just just <laughs> yeah. just fan out and just go in where where the sports reference, you know, I can meet someone like, "Oh, you're an Eagles fan?" Yeah, me too. You might the the conversation might not be as as deep and thorough as when you yeah. meet an anime fan cuz then you just start talking right. about the intricacies of different shows, what you're currently watching, what you're yeah. binging, but yeah, it's almost as if like yeah. even doesn't matter, it could be the most mainstream type of genre that you want to see everyone's going to still react as if like they're the only ones that are watching anime. So when they meet someone else that's watching it, it's the best thing ever. And like, you have some of the greatest conversations. I feel like that come from that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then with football, I'd like to go to your reference chat, like with football, like if you meet a fan of a different team, it can get toxic. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not like a, Oh, I respect your team too. But like, it's like, Ew, why? <laughs> but with anime, it's just like, you can have a Dragon Ball fan. You can have a Naruto fan. It's, it's still like, Oh yeah. Like, all right, cool. I like, I like that show too. It's not my favorite. It's not, not for me, but I respect your right. show. Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, you stick up for your show, but it's like, you still like show the love and reverence. Cause it's like, you know, not everybody like you guys were saying it's a commonality it's just like oh you too like even though you don't like my show you still like the the fandom itself i like that yeah. but yeah with sports it usually can get like oh if you if you're not sitting with us Man. well in, <laughs> in anime you know you don't want to be you know if you're a baseball fan or or a, a football fan you're you're usually a fan of one team you might be a fan of the sport yeah. and you could sit in any stadium and enjoy it but you're generally a fan of one team whereas i think with anime you know, you don't mind learning about shows that you that mm -hmm. you don't know about. I yeah. mean, even me. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there. you know, I'm I'm oftentimes giving people recommendations of shows that that maybe I've been in that they haven't heard of, and um, and and occasionally if I see somebody that I've seen before, like at a show, and they've watched it, they're like, oh yeah, that thing was great. You know, 
And so it's a, it's a it, it is a way of introducing yourself to people, but also to about learning what else is out there. Um, you know, I don't know the closest thing. Well, we've had a couple of things, I think, in fandom that <clears throat> that I hope aren't the rule. I mean, it used to be the, the, the big argument was about dubs versus subs. And, and you know, <laughs> my thing is, I don't really care, you know, as a as a voice actor, obviously, I think, you know, I, I hope people can watch and enjoy uh, the dubs. Uh, because we put a lot of effort into it and the dubs aren't, you know, I think before ADV and before like that era of the early 2000s when it really started mushrooming. And before that, when you listen to anime that came out before that, that was dubbed into English, it was often not good. I mean, if we're just honest about it, it was often <laughs> not good for various reasons. And it wasn't always because the actors themselves were bad. They just weren't given the time to make it good. And the studios themselves that were dubbing it weren't really trying to make it good. They just were trying to kind of, they needed to get it done and nobody really cared. Um, and they had a, but they had a limited time to do it and not a big budget at all. And so, um, it was not good for a reason. Um, but that's changed and a ton, especially in the last 20 years. I mean, you know, uh, David Matranga is a friend of mine. I used to work with him on the stage. He still works in Houston and in Dallas. He works at the Alley Theater in Houston. Uh, he's worked at Dallas Theater Center uh, here in North Texas. I know he's worked elsewhere. I mean, in Chicago. Um, and that guy's still doing anime. I mean, anime is they they are bringing they are bringing some of their finest when it comes to like casting people um uh and 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 choosing the best actors they can find uh and it's 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 just very different than it used to be and i i think particularly in the era area era of simul dubs when you know if you're watching yeah. something on simul dub you're seeing it at basically the same time they're watching it in japan um i think it's fair i think it's fair to consider your english cast as part of the cast as part of that voice cast and you don't have to Absolutely. read the subtitles while you're watching it you know i think that's that's the way most creators intended <laughs> for their stuff to be watched. Lowered, lowered <laughs> now i'm a subtitle guy when it comes to live action i i i've i've dubbed some live action stuff and i've enjoyed it and i always okay. try to do a good job but if i'm watching it uh i i i do want to hear the voices that are coming out of those actors mouths uh, but you. in the that case makes, of anime, we're providing the voices. And it was the same for the Japanese counterparts. We're providing the voices for characters that are already there. So I, you know, even though the Japanese actors, they tip, typically tend to do prelay animation. So they're doing their roles without having to view it. Um, but still, it, the, the character itself that you see on the screen is a contour. And if they can speak in a way that you can hear in your own culture and language, I think you're going to enjoy the show more. Um, at least that's my opinion. But I think, you know, people that are hardcore subtitle people, it's great. No, no arguments. It's whatever you want. Yeah. Um, me, me and Trav usually say uh, amongst ourselves, like, however we start a show is usually how we have to watch yeah, it. Like if, yeah. a, if, a, if a sub comes out, I got to stick with the sub, even if they dub it. Or if like if I watch the dub first, like I'll kind of torture myself, even though the sub has like way more episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, ah, I got to stick I know, that's here. How it was with <laughs> I mean, I think there's reasons to watch this. I think there's reasons to watch it in the original language, too. If you if you're just if you really like if you know you like some of the actors like you know who they are and you really like the way they yeah, perform yeah. the role um or if you speak japanese obviously 
uh, I think if you, you know, if, if you're, or if you're learning Japanese and, and you really want to hear the language in that way, um, I, I think there's a lot of valid reasons. Um, and if you just really hate the English dub cast, then fine, whatever, you know, don't watch us do it. But I do know, I, I don't think anybody can say that we rush it, uh, or that, or that the, you know, the English actors aren't as good as the Japanese actors or that we're that, or that, or that, you know, we don't have the needed experience. I mean, some of us have been doing this for 20 plus years and, uh, and have hundreds of titles, you know, I mean, yeah. I think I've got a lot, but, but people like Monica and, and, and certain other ones have even more. It's astonishing. Uh, so, and speaking of, uh, uh original that. voice actors, I just got to give the flowers to, uh, Masako N- uh, Nazawa, the voice actor of uh, actress of Goku. She is 86 year old sure. and is still, yell at the top of our lungs like and amazing and you brought up a good point when you're talking about when um battle of gods returned and how we haven't seen too many shows that you know had such a long hiatus that were older shows that make a return so it's really impressive to me for her that you know that not only did she come back to it but comes back still as great as ever so you know I, i'm i'm a big proponent of giving yeah, people sure. flowers while they're while they're still here because she is still of killing course. it at an elite level <laughs> yeah especially if you think about it time wise like us here in the states like you know we got dragon ball z way later than what it actually was so it's like she's probably been away from that role for years <laughs> for a long years. time <laughs> like, like right. a really long time because yeah like because the majin Buu saga like what ended in 98 mm. like in real time like yeah. and we got it like mid-2000s so it's like she's kind of just been living life it's like, oh yeah sure, <laughs> sure. i'll put the gi back on <laughs> well you know they've shown that they're very loyal obviously in japan they're loyal to those actors kind of owning those roles and um and i i suspect as long as she can show up to the studio and 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 put you know her voice in goku's you know give life to that character um they're probably gonna have her do it and i think it's great i mean it 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 sounds weird it can sound weird to me a bit jarring going from her performance to sean's performance um and you know i think sean does a great job and i think he's defined that character mm-hmm. for the 1, english language percent. audience and to me he sounds like goku yeah. <laughs> you know and even in real oh, life yeah. like if you when you've met if you've met him um his personality fits <laughs> goku mm-hmm. like in real life his personality kind of fits um the kind of manic um you know uh, yeah. just energy yeah. Uh, that Goku has. So it's it's tough for me to imagine anybody else. And I know a couple people have, especially early on, but it's really hard for me to imagine anybody else um, kind of owning a character, I think, the way Sean does. I think we all aspire yeah. to do that, you know, and kind of not own it because we have a right to it, but own it in the sense that um, so much of our time and energy is invested in that character mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and Sean can, I mean, he can talk Dragon Ball lore and, and history and, and the nuances of the show as well as anybody. Mm-hmm. Now he may not be completely caught up on where the manga is or something like that, because I know he likes to come in with a kind of a fresh idea, but yeah, um, he said that, uh, in the anime con, he said that he doesn't read the manga because right. for that, like he doesn't want to like influence his performance. Right. Right. But he likes, like a lot of us do like to go in and just like have some spontaneity about what's happening in the scene. Um, you know, there's only so much you can prepare. Um, there's nothing like being in the booth, you know, with the, 
you know, the monitor on and the headphones on and you're hearing the sound effects and the M&Es with, you know, the, the, the music and effects from the show. And even in some cases, the other characters, if they've been recorded and just kind of planting yourself in that scene, in that world. And um, that's what, uh, <clears throat> you know, that's kind of an that's kind of an experience that does happen on a set is the idea of being surrounded by the set and in costume and and sort of feeling like once you pull the character's boots on, right, and, uh, you know, and you look at yourself one last time in the mirror before you leave the trailer, that you you are that character. And, yeah. um, and you know, I think in anime recording anyway for the, you know, the voices, I think that that can't happen until you arrive, until you get in and the door is shut and the cans are on and, and you know, the, the engineer hits play on the scene now you can really be in the scene as the character so yeah absolutely and that, that kind of uh leads to uh, you did it again you keep throwing us the oops <laughs> to the questions <laughs> like, God, uh, in terms of while. the technical side <laughs> look i see i see he's trained <laughs> so with the with the technical aspect because you know doing the english version you are you know providing a a version a translation of it but you know everybody has like the source material especially with like one of the big three with like the dragon ball franchise is there like any room for you? Because at the end of the day, you're an actor and a performer. And, sure. Like, you got the pedigree. Is there any wiggle room they give you to like the source material, material, or just like no, nah, like these are the words that Toriyama wrote. Right. Read them. Please. Well, the roads, like, the, the words that to be clear, the words that Toriyama wrote were in Japanese, uh, and right. so that has to be translated <laughs> first of all. That's the first part of the job. The next phase is right. it has to be localized. It's not enough just to have a translation. Um, it mm. would you would be you would be astonished at how bad the scripts would be if we just did the translation. <laughs> I've done Google Translate. It, it's not the, you know truly though. People think, oh just translate just just do the translation. No, believe me, you don't want us to just do the translation. And oh by the way, if you're reading subtitles, you're not just reading the translation. It's 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 a translation that's been localized into understandable regional English. Uh, so okay, even then, the only way, if you're going to be a purist about what Toriyama wrote, the only way to do it is for you to go to school and learn Japanese mm -hmm. and, and read, read them as he wrote them. So that's first of all. Um, so by the time I get into the booth, a translation, a straight translation from the Japanese has been localized. So you've now taken the translation, the word for word translation or the phrase for phrase, however they choose to do it. And you've, uh, you've written it, um, in a way that flows. It sounds like natural language. It sounds like a script from any, you know, that's at least that's the goal, depending on the skill of the writer. Um, and then there's a phase of recording where you actually have to be in the, in the, you know, studio, putting the words into the character's mouths and they don't always fit well. Sometimes it turns out that when you're actually, you know, up to character energy and you're you're performing in a scene that what's written isn't really ideal or what's adequate. So at that point, that's where you're that's where your you know, your confidence as an actor kicks in and you along with the director, at least for me, I'm suggesting things. Someone that's just starting out is probably just waiting for the director to rewrite it and tell them what to do. Um, for a lot of us, yeah, we we view it as a uh, this is the final stage of really translating and localizing this for our audience what we're not doing is making up new 
ideas mm -hmm. necessarily or coming up with a completely new um you know uh you know we're not changing you know we're certainly not we're certainly not changing the motivations or the goals or the of the character gotcha um we're not trying to do anything that's kind of outside of of what we understand the character to be what we're really trying to do at that point is to say something that sounds natural that sounds like something the character would say fits with the translation but also fits into the lip flap space that we have to work with so that's gotcha. kind of the final that's what that's what it's like to cross the finish line with a good sort of translation from from japanese to english and if you if you're ever watching something in dub form and you're really enjoying the writing and the and the performances and everything flows smoothly and it seems really triple a top tier um a lot of that credit belongs to mm -hmm. the writer who took the translation to localize it and then i think to the team that was in the studio at the time and to the director in particular your director sometimes gets the same get, is sometimes you'll find that your director who's listed as the adr director is also the writer but more often than not it's a different writer it's handed to a director and then but then the director himself or herself is kind of the final gateway of what works and there's a lot of writing on the fly um but it's not an improvisational thing as much as it is a uh, doctoring you know to try to make it work gotcha. you know to work well and Got sometimes it. we'll have a good idea um uh you know uh there was i think it's I've, I've told this before but at least with beerus uh when he's in that scene with i think it's the zamasu scene when he says hakai kind of for the first time officially um there was a question of what would he say there <laughs> because it just translates to <laughs> mm -hmm. destroy and i knew that it was important for the characters i was hearing from the fans already his beer's gonna say hakai and i was like well yeah, let me talk about that. You know, I was talking with Chris about it and and uh and uh, uh um um you know, Chris Sabbath obviously. Um and anyway, we were talking about like, hey, we need to this needs to be his his phrase that he, you know, first of all, the fans mm -hmm. are expecting it. Uh but also that's what it should be. It you know, like he should have his thing that he says, you know, um uh Goku says Kamehameha, you know, right? like you you have certain things and it just lands well. And we don't need to translate mm -hmm. Hakai. Uh when when Bira says Hakai, he he means yeah. Hakai, man. And we all know what that does. That's devastation. Yeah. It's destruction. Yep. Uh it literally translates destroy or destruction, but we don't need to we we lose a little of the emphasis if we just say the translated word. If you listen to Dragon Ball Super up to that point, there's actually a couple of times where he's used the phrase or if he's used the destroy uh, word where if you listen to the Japanese, he actually says mm -hmm. Hakai. But he's saying, I will, you know, if they don't do what I want them to do, I will Hakai them, you know, and, and in the translation, we said destroy because it was mm -hmm. appropriate. And I think it was appropriate to introduce the word um, the way we did at the time that we did. Uh, so now... Sometimes we'll translate. He might say destroy because it just it just it fits in the flow of a sentence. But when he puts that hand right. up and he's about to formulate his time. destruction, <laughs> he's going to say Hakai. Oh, that was a monumental moment. I remember so, just I heading it. into that yeah. episode, just different YouTubers I follow that cover the show and just the community in general. That was that was the big question. They're like, is it, is he going to destroy Zamasu <laughs> yeah. or is he going to say Hakai? And you know, just to kind of 
piggyback off just your work with the the voice actors and how do you what is the process behind you know developing that chemistry with not just sean chris but also ian because you know you you and ian are are, are tied to a hip in the show so how do you how how do you go about you know generating that off-screen chemistry that just flows so well when the show airs well, luckily with, with Ian, I do feel there, there's a bit of chemistry there. And it's for first and foremost because I really like mm-hmm. Ian. I just think he's a great dude and I always have fun hanging out with him wherever we happen to be. We don't record together, obviously, on, on the show because we all record mm-hmm. individually. So the chemistry comes from, in some ways, if he's already recorded, there's a, just a, a comfortable blanket familiarity. Like, uh, it would be the same with Monica Rial other people that I've worked with, like, oh, that's a friend. That's somebody mm-hmm. I know. It's not somebody whose voice Love I that. don't know. Um, and there's a familiarity there. I also worked with Ian on a show called Black Butler. He directed this. Uh, I don't know if he directed the first season. I assume he did. But he definitely directed the second season. And I had a huge role in that. Uh, played Claude in Black Butler, too. And uh, that's when I worked with Ian for the first time. And so Ian uh, and we developed a rapport. And I... I realized he was a terrific director because he's an actor first and foremost. And he, he kind of spoke the actor's language. And I think, <clears throat> I think the performance, if my performance was good in that, it was, uh, it was as much because of working with Ian and, and his ability to coax out of me, you know, uh, things that are there, but you don't always, you know. And so for me, that's where mm-hmm. chemistry comes from. It comes from knowing somebody and spending time with them. Um, uh, Chris, to some degree, I had some you know, chemistry with just because I'd worked with him at Ocatron on other projects. Uh, Sean, I really didn't meet until I started doing prom- promotional stuff for, for okay. Dragon Ball, Battle of Gods, etc. I just had not met him. Um, I'd like to think we hit it off. We, we always we always have fun and interesting conversation, and then he goes his way. Um, you know, so my job, though, mostly is to just show up and be in the scene. I, I it, you know, I get thrown into shows where I don't know anybody, and I still have to create uh, for that, right. character yeah. fill that character so um right. you know I'm, I'm doing uh i think i mentioned chainsaw man right now and there's a lot of new faces and voices that i haven't worked with um you Such know and show. i'm still trying to you know i'm still trying to you know uh i need to be that guy for them they haven't worked with me you know like i don't want them to feel intimidated right. um uh, but the fact is they've got their work to do and i've got mine to do and hopefully it all blends well you know, in the mix. So has that, I've, I've always been interested because I, I hear the different voice actors we've had in have all pretty much, you know, talked about like their isolated recording sessions and everything. Is that like a post pandemic thing or that has, has that always been like everybody just records and sends in like, is there ever like group sessions? Is that, was that ever like a thing where like, if it's a group scene that everybody comes in and like, yeah, does it together? No. Cause I always think of like those, those, uh, <laughs> Disney promos where they like show the actors yeah, in the room sure. together recording. I was like, have they been lying <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah. us? Yeah. Well, the together? difference, <laughs> the difference Matthew is that in Disney shows, we're talking about prelay animation. So they do bring the actors in as part of the process early on um and okay. and they're just reading their lines really they're, they're they're performing their lines from the script um uh what we're doing is uh, is is we're trying to track our performance to animation that's already that's already been produced gotcha um so we come in later 
Um, even yeah, with dude. even with Disney, though, they weren't always. A lot of times, when you see those promos and the, all, they're all acting together. Yeah, well, they did that for the promo. <laughs> you know, in fact, <laughs> most of the time they're bringing in actors. Scandal. Yeah. So it. I mean, you know, um, uh, uh, it's. Uh, yeah, it, it, it we we are we are when I started out, I mean it was going into the studio. By the way, we're still going into the studio. A lot of the uh remote recording that we were doing during uh the height of the, you know, pandemic stuff uh, has gone away. It's still some sometimes happens, but it's not as much. Crunchyroll has been very particular about wanting to bring people into the office, so to speak. Yeah. Um yeah, your your only time that you really get uh these group sessions are uh in what I think some people call Foley sessions uh, or, or I don't remember the words they're using for it, but it's, they're doing it to save time on these group scenes where you, and, and I don't mean individual, but like when you have lots of background happening, let's say you're in a canteen okay. or a bar, you know, you're, you've got lots of just jibber jabber. Uh, thanks, Mr. <laughs> T uh, jibber jabber uh, going on. Um, uh, and you know, a lot of times they can save some time by having maybe four actors in the studio on two mics, you know, and just all at the same time. It's characters walking down the street. There's a lot of action going on. We just want to fill that, you know, with something that, you know, you know, when you build building that soundstage, if you've ever watched the extras on a on a movie, especially like Lord of the Rings, where they really get down to the nitty gritty of like. Um, of of sound design, it's fascinating, and you can really make an experience richer by by building up the sounds to really make it sound like there's life going on and there's a richness. And they didn't really used to do that, um, but but I think there's more of that now that you see. No, I will I will always uh, tip my hat to voice actors because I've done some like offshoot things that'll probably never see the light of day, yeah. and I've had to do like ADR for my own stuff. <laughs> yeah, and hated it. Yeah, <laughs> I hated yeah. it so much. Like, and that was just me just trying to catch my lip moving <laughs> for things that I said myself, and I was like, "This is the most stressful thing yeah. <laughs> I've ever did in my yeah. life." Well, one secret on that is you can if you've got another character and you need to you need to fix your lines, just cut to the other character. And they can be hearing you say it instead of you <laughs> being you on screen saying it with your mouth. Do you know what I mean? So well, uh, I, didn't, I didn't have the juice to tell them to do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, no, why don't you just yet. make this a one shot and I'll just say my lines? Well, if you're screen. talking about anime, you got no choice. You just got to make it work. <laughs> one of my favorite stories no, from uh, 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 Robert Rodriguez's book, um, uh, Rebel Without a Crew, uh, is the way he recorded his audio which is, uh, if you've never seen El Mariachi, you definitely should. It's a seminal kind of independent film, small budget, made for less than $10,000, went on to Sundance, launched his career. But he was shoestring budget. He was behind the camera. He had like one or two other people helping him out, and that was it. And, um, you know, he would have the camera on characters, but he had no way to record. He, would, he, he, had no, he just had a camera. He didn't have, like, proper recording equipment. So he had a tape recorder right, right. with him. Um, that sounded good, but he had no way of syncing it. So he would have them do their scenes and it would be silent. I mean, he would, they would say their lines, they would perform exactly as you would. But then after he would say cut, he would immediately go up to them with the, the tape recorder and say, okay, do the scene again, just like you just did it. Uh, oh, wow. And then he found that like nine out of 10 times, it would mostly line up. And if it didn't line up, he said, you know, usually it lines up pretty good at the end, but then it, or at the beginning, but then as the character continues to speak, it starts to get off track. So what would he do? Right. He would just cut to the other character. So the character starts speaking here, 
And about midway through, he cuts to the other character in the scene who's just listening and watching. <laughs> who's listening. And it would work. Ah. So you have a lot of scenes like that in El Mariachi. <laughs> There's a lot of little tricks, but we can't do them, you know, uh, in anime right, because <laughs> uh, we're working with what we've got. We've got a match to picture that's already there. So. I've got like almost no time left. So if you guys want to maybe ask me the last <laughs> no. question or wrap yeah, it up, no, that'd be awesome. I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah no. Uh, so we're going to get this one in because it's from our wonderful executive producer, Yali. Um, she wants to know if you, you know? have as much of a sweet tooth as the character that you play. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. It, for me, it's not a sweet tooth. It's more of a savory tooth. I, I do love to eat and I do love trying new things. Um, you know, I, I, I love to enjoy food um when i can um and so i i and i appreciate um i appreciate the craftsmanship that goes into a really fine meal um and and i'm you know i have a bit of a fanboyism of of just the restaurant industry in general <laughs> I, I worked in catering and restaurants back in my early 20s and uh, a lot of fine dining stuff and you know while i was you know still in college and and doing theater and stuff and and so i have a, a big appreciation for that and and um anyway i just you know i i i, I do i do appreciate it uh, not not in the way uh, you know beerus is able to enjoy it he he uh he doesn't have a problem <laughs> kicking back probably you know forty thousand calories a meal uh I can't do that. Well, it so doesn't much. gain weight. Anime it's food ama looks amazing. Delicious. But, but you know, it is funny, though. It's something about anime doing a session when there's a lot of food on the table and they're all enjoying it. Like, you're like, yeah, yeah when am I going to go eat lunch? I get hungry after this. <laughs> every time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and like, it, I'm about to go get some ramen absolutely. right now. <laughs> ramen, uh, anything like sushi. I mean, I remember uh, yeah. even, in, even the, when I started, when I first started, I remember doing some shows and. You know, we would all break for lunch and we would go have sushi or we'd go yeah. to have pho or, uh, you know, ramen somewhere. Yes, I mean, no. I don't know why it seems silly. We're a bunch of guys in Texas and we're just recording. But, yeah, we would. <laughs> and it seemed appropriate, you know, like, uh, I don't know, staying in character maybe. I don't know. And the the, the I final question I, I just want to – it'll be quick. I know – whether you get it, whether you get no it worries, directly yeah. or you see it on on your your Twitter or whatever, but if you got a dollar for every single time someone asked you when is the Dragon Ball Super anime returning, how rich would you be? Are we talking Jeff Bezos rich? What are we talking about? <laughs> One billion uh, dollars. No, I. Um, you, you, I will just say this: there's not a show that I go to where I don't get that question. <laughs> the age old question. And uh it's 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 always charming. They always have a smile on their face. Um I I, I don't know that anybody asks me that and thinks that I can actually <laughs> right, give them an right. answer. I think they just <laughs> it's like I feel like they're just putting it out into the universe and feeling like if I, if yeah. we ask it yeah. enough it'll happen. And in some ways maybe they're right. I mean if you do as a fan ask enough and there's enough interest, right. not that I can do anything about it, uh but uh there is this idea of just it, you know if you're a fan out there and you really, really, really want something to happen and, and you're willing to support it, you know, and and we see that we see that with the numbers. I think the movies have been a big deal for the franchise. Mm -hmm. It's the movies that have that have been Absolutely. that have signaled, 
hey, we can go make a series. Hey, we can make another video game. Hey, we can keep investing in this manga and in this storyline. Because when you do the movies and it's like blockbuster numbers opening weekend, that gets everybody's attention. It's in Variety. Mm -hmm. It's in Hollywood Reporter. Those are like, you know... Those are L.A. eyeballs seeing that going anime. We thought that was just some other, you know, we have to take this series seriously. And now you have Netflix, right, that has or at least had. I don't know where they are these days and they've made a bunch of cutbacks, but they they kind of started really promoting anime and and, and investing in that area uh, in, in ways that have been very helpful. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I, I think you're 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 right to wonder and you you might not be asking somebody that can actually tell you anything or even do anything about it but you should you should keep asking you should keep talking about it because i think it's it's, i think it is gonna happen i'm just gonna tell you straight up and that's not insider information i just think i think it's coming because we're now through we're now through we got through broly we got through super superhero um, we we nailed down, uh, you know. We finished. That was a there was a there was a couple of games that are nailed. Like what's right. left? Like what's next? Um, I guess it could be anything, but uh, I feel like I just feel like we're about to learn, you know, that it's going to be sooner than we think. That's my Absolutely. that's my right. intuition and right. my optimism that hey, I hope to leave with. We're rolling. <laughs> well, Matt will, will take us away. Jason, thank you so much for joining us and taking time out of your schedule. So, you know, so it's a much. busy time with the with the cons going on, but, you know, we you know we just love doing this. We love speaking to new people, and you've just been added to our Dragon Call list, and we cannot be more grateful. Thanks, man. I appreciate being on with you guys. You guys are great interviewers, by the way, and I really hope you guys uh, stick around and keep doing this. And and um, I hope that you know I'll have a lot of colleagues that will come on uh, and join you guys to talk about Dragon Ball or, or whatever else. There's a lot of great shows um, uh, that you can talk about outside the Dragon Ball world, of course. That's but the, that's um, the goal. Absolutely. But yeah, this has been fun. So. No, and that uh, that is a uh, that comment means a lot to yeah. us. Like we we can't uh, we we would take away more of your time to express <laughs> to you how much that means. No worries, man. <laughs> We've been working really hard at this, so like that validation, we we greatly appreciate. Well, that. I, I but, love uh, that you guys are fans, and you're also you're also you're fans, <laughs> but you're also uh, you're you're also being professional about it. So that's super cool, and you got good questions. So that's great. Thank you, right. thank you, thank you so much for that. But uh, as always, thank you so much, Jason, for joining us. My brother Trav, the life is out there. This has been a very successful episode of the Dragon Call series here at DB4L. And like we always say here at DB4L, whether you watch it or you read it, we all need it. So follow your fandom right back here and we will see you next time on Dragon Ball for Life. Dodon Ray. Shout out to Super Shout out to Yali. Mmm. Mortals, listen up. It's your god of destruction, Beerus, here. Subscribe and follow the Dragon Ball for Life podcast, or else you shall be erased from existence. Hot cry.